about to be a great night. Really good tonight. Yeah. This is one hell of a night. Now, back to Late Night with Hancock and Kelly on King of OX. of the news here at KMOX, Maria Kina. But did you know that she is the band leader of the Knights of Swing, a 16-piece orchestra performing the big band classics of yesteryear all over town. And she joins us every Monday night that we're here. And even when we're here on Wednesday nights, (laughs) there she is, Maria Kina. Hey, how are you? Delightful and uh, so glad to have you. You and I had the pleasure uh, of having dinner uh, over at the, the home of uh, Kevin and Nancy Colleen. Correct. A few weeks ago. Yes. And uh, it was fascinating. You were telling about the, the impact that your mother had mm-hmm. on you. And just a remarkable woman, your Very mother. Much so. She passed away a couple of years ago. Yeah. And, um, and you and she were inseparable in so many ways. Uh, tell me about her and tell me about being a little girl growing up in that home. And she kind of raised you right. by herself. Yeah, right? my grandma was there, but she, my father wasn't in the picture. They divorced when I was a baby. Um, yeah, she was a really, um, at a time when it was very tough for women, you know, to be doing this sort of thing on their own. Yeah. So, um, I was an only child, so of course I was really, you know, I was like the little princess all the time. Yeah. Imagine (laughs) that. (laughs) Princess Maria. (laughs) And she just, uh, she just gave me everything. She tried, I I would almost say she tried to make up for what I didn't, might have been lacking in a father. Yeah. And as I got older and she became a police officer, I couldn't wait to get her off the police department because... As I think I said that night, I used to listen to Camo X mm-hmm. and the police scanners. I'd have them by my bed, and I'd hear my mom get a call. Um, and I'd be like, oh. And then when I got a little bit older, I got my cousins to drive me to the where the call was. And she said, you wow. can't be doing this. This is, You can't be showing up on calls. So um, she was very protective of me. I was very protective of her. And she and, served in the St. Louis City Police Department correct. for how many years? Uh, it was about 16 yeah, and and before that, she did a variety of things. She did. She she did whatever you know. I when she was a child, like eleven years old, and my grandfather died, she went to work at Miss Helene's with her sister. Wow. Um, whatever it took to make money, she ended up at the courthouse, uh, circuit court, for many years. That was uh, long before me, and she ended up there again after she left the department, and that's where she retired from. And uh, beautiful woman, your mother. Yes. And uh, and, and she's raising you there in St. Louis, and you're going to school and doing all those things. She became a police officer. In what way do you think she inspired you uh, professionally? Oh, my gosh. Her ethics. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. How she was so concerned about taking care of people. Yeah. And making sure that everyone was safe. That's why she wanted to become a police officer. I mean, there were so many wonderful things about her. You know, I could spend a whole show talking about her. Yeah. Um, Because she was just a really special, really special lady. Yeah. And any any particular event stand out for you when she was in the department uh, coming home with a particular story? Was was she a beat patrol officer? Was she a detective? She was beat. Uh Uh-huh. And sometimes she worked out of the intelligence unit. Um. I think it was the first homicide, and I found the pictures. Oh, wow. So um, 
I'm like, Mom, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> and she sat me down and she told me. Yeah. Um, also taught me how to always respect a, a gun, you know, that it's not a play toy. You don't right. go near it. Um, she did used to let me play with her handcuffs. And my cousin and I locked ourselves and lost the key. Um, so she wasn't very happy about that. But she was just a protector, you yeah. know, and just wanted to help people all the time. Yeah, and that, so that kind of explains, because I know one of your real focuses here at KMOX is covering the police beat. Mm-hmm. You, you cover the department. Uh, you're there all the time. And that history that you've got, uh, that connection, your mom being an officer in the city of St. Louis, that's got to be a help as you cover what's happening in this town. It is, and I think it gives you a little bit more insight into what's happening. Now, I know the department's changed over years, Mm -hmm. but there are some things that don't change. Um, So I think that kind of gives you a leg up on knowing what's happening. Like, no, it doesn't really happen that way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It happens this way. Uh, But it's it's changed a lot. St. Louis has always been a violent city. Any any inner city um, is is gonna have its issues with crime. And St. Louis is not unique in that regard, but we've certainly got garnered a lot of attention nationally for right. our crime rates. Uh, what has changed as you going back to your mom's time uh, patrolling the city and, and what we're dealing with today with the officer shortages and the controversies? And uh, can you can you kind of pinpoint things that you think have just changed so much? The prolifer- proliferation of weapons. Yeah. When my mom was on the department, there weren't that many guns mm-hmm. out on the street. And now everybody has a gun. Um, and, and you don't know who a good guy is and a bad guy. So I think that's a real issue. You know, I know you will hear it over and over again that we have a sufficient number of police officers. But when my mom was on, it was around 2,400. Wow. So uh, and now we're below 900. Wow. And uh, I know the chief just said today that implementing this new crime plan, he was asked if they will have enough officers. And he said, yes, with this new crime plan. Well, if you talk to police officers, they'll tell you a different story. Also, if you go into neighborhoods where they're really high in crime, the people are scared and mm-hmm. want, want to see more police. That's just the way it is. Um, and that would be great for them because they get to know the people then. You know, they're not only coming in when there's trouble. Mm-hmm. You see them in a, in a positive light. And, and that's good for children because if you only see them when it's really bad, you get, you get afraid of the police. Mm-hmm. So Braxton and Michael and I, uh, some years ago, ran the campaign for Proposition P mm-hmm. in the city of St. Louis. You remember that, Brax? Oh, I do. It was one of the, one of the best campaigns I worked on. Actually. Yeah, and it was a, it was a sales tax increase to provide additional salaries and hire additional officers in the city. It passed. What surprised me, and maybe it shouldn't have, and to to the point you just made, Maria. What surprised me was when the election results came in. The support for the police was higher in North St. Louis, Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. places that have high crime areas, and the places where it did more poorly were... It it passed in 26 of the 28 wards at the time. I know we've gone down to 14 wards, and the only two places that did not pass was in the Central Corridor there in Tower Grove. Uh, those two wards there were the only two places in the city that. And that's where you pass. find all your progressive friends out there, Brad. Uh, where I live as well. But, uh. <laughs> but I was I was blown away, and maybe shouldn't have been, but I was really surprised at how well that tax increase performed in North St. Louis. And as you say, the folks that are living in those communities are scared to death. They don't want to live like that. They don't want to be hitting the floor because there's gunfire coming from everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a horrible way to live. 
And, and you know, you can't fault the police officers because they can't be everywhere at one time. Um, and and for them to come in when there's a really bad situation and little people see that, I think that's the most critical time in the world. We used to have Officer Friendly that came in to mm-hmm. my school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That way you weren't afraid to the, of the police. It's like, no, look, like they're regular people, you know. Um, but you don't have that anymore. They don't have the manpower to do it. Yeah, and that was the thing, too, is you you mentioned, you know, you wanted to see them in your neighborhoods. Uh, like simple things is like going to the grocery store mm-hmm. and seeing police officers shopping just like with their right. families. And that's and it's something that also you think about now in the city of St. Louis, you don't have that mm-hmm. in places in North and North City, especially because they are their food deserts. Exactly. So they don't even have places that you can go and we can all go and hang out together because it's just a lot of dilapidated buildings and yep. things like that, which is just. It's troubling because it's like, and all they have to do is there's, I mean, you're having some, some of these districts have two to three police officers at night, which is crazy, which you can't, you can't do anything. You can't do anything with that. I mean, not only does that put the public at risk, but it puts them at terrible risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just don't, you know, I was never a proponent of dropping down from nine districts to six districts mm. because the other thing that I think was really, really good, there was a police station in every neighborhood. Mm. And people could go into the police station. The kids could go in there and buy chips. They could talk to the desk officer. Now that's gone. Mm. That isn't there anymore. And you, there's no, I mean, they've got the big patrol stations, but it's different. How long ago did they mm. make that change? I believe that was when Dotson was on 13, 14. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Well, yeah. you, you mentioned Officer Friendly. We had Sam Dotson and Michael and I did years ago when he was chief. And I asked him, when did you want to become a police officer? And he said, Officer Friendly came into my class. See? Isn't that something? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, it really did make a difference, you know. You see them coming in, you're like, oh, look at that. Yeah. And, and But they, like, talk to you and they let you go in the police car. And so you're not afraid of them when you see them coming. So your mother's name? Amalia. Amalia. And uh, Amalia raised a very great daughter, Maria Kina. Mm-hmm. Amalia was a member of the St. Louis uh, Pol- Metropolitan Police Department, and uh, she uh, she leaves a great legacy here in St. Louis. Maria, thanks for your time this time. Till next time. Yes. Aww. When we come back, Braxton, Corey Bush will be the topic of conversation. She's got herself in a little hot water out there. We'll break it down for all of you, give you what we know, which is not a lot. And that's next, right here on KMOX. Two for two. It's Hancock and Kelly on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. Unless anybody knows what it's like to be an African-American woman in a powerful position and a single mom and, 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 and have your life threatened on a daily basis, I, I support her providing security that she needs for herself and her family. That was the mayor of St. Louis, Tashara Jones, asked about uh, all of the goings-on with Congresswoman Cori Bush here. It was, well, it became news yesterday that the Justice Department has... Uh, they, they filed a subpoena with the U.S. House of Representatives for their records, their spending records by members. Uh, that was the first bit of news. A lot of speculation whether that had to do with January 6th or something else. Uh, then it leaked out that the target of the investigation was a congressperson uh, potentially misusing public funds. 
And then it came out that the target of that inquiry was a grand jury looking into Cori Bush and her use of funds, whether they're public funds or campaign funds, we don't know at this point, uh, but using them to pay for personal security services. And some of those services went to a gentleman who was her initially her boyfriend and now her husband. And I've seen estimates of payments into the hundreds of thousands of dollars Mm -hmm. there and additional security money that was expended by Corey Bush uh, to other uh, entities to, to provide protection for her. So that's basically what we know right now. We know that there's been federal election commission inquiries going on into this for at least a couple of years and But this is the first we've gotten wind that the Justice Department is looking at it. Uh, Braxton Payne, alongside yeah. with me, works for Show Me Victories here in St. Louis. And uh, your thoughts, reaction to the story? Yeah, so a couple things. So she, and, and this is not a new news story. I mean, she. we've been talking, it's been written in the Post-Dispatch, it's been written in national newspapers about how much Cori Bush was spending on private security from her campaign account, not from public dollars. Uh, in 2021, she uh, of all the 435 representatives, she spent the most on private security. Uh, that was public knowledge. Obviously, like the Speaker of the House has a lot of, you know, they have Secret Service and things like that. Sure. Uh, but she spent the most. And it, the, from what I've read, uh, she spent upwards of around $800,000 since 2021 from her campaign account to pay for these services. Uh, she, her boyfriend, as you mentioned, now her husband, so got around $105,000 of that money. Uh, so frankly, there's nothing illegal by using campaign finance dollars. You know, your people donate to your campaign. You can pretty much spend it as pretty much yeah. as you want within reason. And and under McCain-Feingold, you're even allowed, as long as you report it, to use that money to reimburse yourself so, or family members. Many, many people do that. And many candidates use campaign funds for personal. That's You can't do that in Missouri under mm-hmm. Missouri law, but if the federal law allows you to do that. So while it may be unseemly, while it may be head-scratching, there's nothing patently on its face illegal about paying even your husband right. out of your campaign funds. Would it be something I recommend uh, to candidates? No. As you mentioned, uh, most, most, a lot of these candidates, uh, you know, they don't – when they run for office, they quit their jobs. So right. they, they use it to reimburse themselves to, you know, live. Uh, to do a job that I don't think most Americans really want, to be honest. Especially now. And, and so one of the things, too, is 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 the the amount, right? It's $800,000. That's a lot of money to spend on personal security. Indeed. Uh, but it is subjective. As as I don't often agree with Tashara Jones or Cori Bush, to be frankly honest. Uh, but, but when Tashara says, you know, we don't know what it feels like to be threatened every day, uh, that is something I do not feel. Uh, so therefore, if she feels threatened and she feels she needs security all the time, it is a subjective amount. So if the DOJ comes in and says, well, we feel like you are spending a little too much money of your campaign dollars on this. Well, I mean, wh- who are they to say this is how I feel and therefore it's subjective? And she can say, well, I can spend $3 million on this if so I really needed to. The other, the other side of this thing, I and mean, we don't know, but for the feds to get involved and the federal right. Justice Department investigates crime. Uh, we do know that members of Congress have, have received additional funding for security in light of what happened on 9-11 mm-hmm. and in light of what happened on January 6th. So there is there are public monies there that every member of Congress has access to. And one of the things that could be an issue here, we don't know, 
Uh, but was she, and she says she wasn't. Cori Bush says she did not use taxpayer right. dollars. Uh, but that could be potentially something that the DOJ is investigating. Right. And, and if that's the case, frankly, if, if she, you know, gets charged and, you know, convicted and all these things, I mean, she can still, from what I'm aware, still run for Congress. I think she's in a spot where she's like Donald Trump. She has the DOJ coming after her. She can say it's the Republicans and, and them, they're doing it, and it's these conservative think tanks that are leaking information and making a bigger deal well, out of Well, that's effectively what she said. And, yeah. and she's going to pin – I mean, she is in a, in, in a district that is plus 30 percent Democrat. So, I mean, there there's no Republican that's going to get elected in Missouri's first congressional district. So she can use this as the right wing is attacking me. Tashara mentioned it in the comments that we rolled in here on, uh, you know, mentioning you know, that she's a black woman and that th- certain things are are different for them, which is true. Uh, but it plays to the Democratic base. I think if, if, she, if she's smart, which she did on the, on the congressional steps yesterday, she spoke and said, I did never use public funds for any private security. It's nothing more than she didn't use the word witch hunt, but essentially right. in so many words, it's a witch hunt by the conservatives to get me out of office because they do not want my strong voice here. It's smart politically, and I think she, she comes out of this in a better position if if she's if she really did not do anything wrong. And, and she's in a contested primary right now with, with Wesley Bell. Wesley Bell raised uh, over $400,000 into his campaign account. He's got six hundred grand. Yes, and so and she only raised about $10,000 uh, this last election. She's got twenty grand. Uh, so, but... It, you know, it's besides the the bad votes uh, that I view. You know, she voted against the bipartisan bipartisan infrastructure bill, the Iron Dome uh, for Israel. She's been pro defund the police, but spending the most on private security in twenty twenty one. All of that are but, issues, but all those things are are mainly red meat uh, for conservative voters or even moderate voters. She's in a very liberal district, and yeah. I don't know if if can can Wesley Bell cut through that. I. It's going to be really tough for him. It's it's interesting, and I I've never really thought Bell was had a, a credible shot, but I'm beginning to maybe reassess this because of the where the campaign finance dollars are. Did you see the vote that Cory Bush cast today? You may not have seen it. Uh, but there was a bill on the floor, or a resolution on the floor of the House that would bar uh, Hamas people involved in the attack October seventh. The Hamas members would bar them from coming to the United States. <laughs> There were two no votes on the bill. One of them, Cori Bush, the other, Ilhan She's turned Omar. into Josh Hawley, the only and, no votes on Yeah, and, and so, and, and she's got, you know, certainly not anywhere approaching a majority of the Democratic vote, but she has the largest concentration of Jewish American votes in her congressional mm-hmm. district than any other in the state of Missouri. And she's been what? very strident, um, on the side of of Hamas and the Palestinians. And as you know, John, uh, you know, with Show Me Victories, we do a lot of polling. You know, Mm -hmm. we do a lot of regional polling, national polling. Uh, Continuing since she's been elected and and since 2021, I'll just go back as that far, she continues. I mean, her congressional district covers all of the city of St. Louis, North County into Central County, a little bit of Kirkwood. Uh, But in the city of St. Louis, among Democratic primary voters, she is the most popular politician by 15 percentage points over the mayor, over Kim Gardner, you know, two years ago. Obviously, Kim Gardner's numbers dropped when she, you know, went out of office over Joe Biden, over Bernie Sanders, over any national figure. She is the most popular politician in the city of St. Louis. That's a big leap for Wesley Bell to really make up. Like you said, he's popular in St. Louis County where there's a lot of votes and a lot of uh, donors and a lot of money, but he needs to be 
doing a lot more than what he's doing right now in order to win this election. Well, we're going to keep an eye on this Cori Bush situation. We'll see what comes down. There is a grand jury looking into her activities, whether it's with the campaign or whether it's with taxpayer dollars. We know not. Braxton Payne alongside. Great insight, Braxton. I appreciate that. When we come back, Braxton Payne, young parent, John Hancock, old grandparent. We're going to talk about parenting skills when it when we get back here on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. I have been thinking all evening about how to best say this. Now, back to Late Night with Hancock and Kelly on King of OX. My child arrived just the other day. He came to the world. <laughs> nice, little Harry Chapin there from uh, the vault of Matt Pajeski, our most excellent producer here. It's Hancock and Kelly without Kelly, who's in Florida, but Braxton Payne is alongside. And, uh, you know, Braxton, you're a young parent. You've got an mm-hmm. almost one-year-old daughter. Yep. And I raised our, we, Georgianne and I raised our kids yeah, many moons ago and now have a, a 21-month-old uh, granddaughter and watching how, you know, she's being parented and things have changed a mm-hmm. bit. Um, now, you've not gotten to a point where you even have to worry about discipline at this point, right? No, she is, it doesn't resonate. Right. <laughs> she does kind of what have you, have you Have you seen any kind of little hints of rebellion there yet? Uh, yeah. So the best part is what she does now is, you know, when you feed her, you put her in the, the high chair. Right. And, you know, you kind of let her, I put, you know, the, the cheese squares, yeah. the little chicken, you know, kind of spread it all out where yeah. she can pick it up herself. You know, she'll eat it. She's a very, she's a great eater. Can't uh-huh. complain. So she'll start eating it and then she'll throw one to the dog. Right. And it's, I go, uh-uh. And she'll look at me with just this death stare. And uh-huh. Okay. I know, I know I'm not supposed to do this. And she'll pick up another piece yeah, without right. looking at it yeah. and just throw it. Yep. And she'll just keep throwing it until I come over and stop her. That That's, that's the most like rebellion we're getting out of yeah, her right it. Yeah. That's where it always starts with the food. I'm, we're seeing that with, uh, with baby Tula as well. Uh, so have have you and your your wife talked about discipline and, and how that's all going to look down the road? So we haven't quite yet, honestly. But yeah. one of the things that, you know, I grew up, I, I was spanked. You know, I was, yeah. I was put in time out. And I have a lot of friends that don't do any of the physical hitting anymore, right. um, which I think is okay. Uh, but I have, you know, friends that are really good at discipline that are a little bit stricter. You know, when we say timeout, you know, for three minutes in the chair in the corner, it's three minutes. It's not one and a half minutes. They'll let you scream it out. So I, I've kind of taken a lot from my friends. You know, I was I'm kind of in the middle of my group of having friends. I have a couple that have, you know, I went to the aquarium today, you know, with a, a three and a five year old of my friends. And then I have ones that are, are pregnant right now. So I'm kind of in the middle. So I'm learning from a little bit of mm-hmm. each of them. What about Tula? What are they going to have? They had the discussion. I don't know. I, I don't know. So, you know, we have her three days a week. And um, oh, wow. that's nice. Yeah. Well, it's so awesome. Yeah. Uh, but she'll get, and it's, it's funny because my daughter, her mom, Tula's mm-hmm. mom, my daughter, when she was a baby, uh, you could almost set your watch at 3.30 in the afternoon. She would just melt down <laughs> and screaming and hollering and writhing. And, and the only one that could calm her down was good old dad. And so, and Tula kind of, she's got that three thirty four o'clock, you know, it starts uh-huh. all going south. Um, but I mean, she's so, I mean, she's my grand, you know, yeah. she's so precious. I can't, you know, I can't see myself ever disciplining her. But, you know, it's a thing that, that parents definitely have to deal with. And I didn't spank our kids more than a couple of times. And it was merited. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, and they were older. I mean, I didn't spank them when they were this age. Yeah. Uh, but it was merited. And, you know, I think it was, I found it to be a helpful tool. And, my, you know, they both turned out pretty well. Thank yeah. goodness. But it's, you know, it's a lot you know, raising raising kids. And then you go, if you spend any time in a grocery store or a restaurant, you'll find kids, they're two and a half, three, four years old, that are completely out of control, completely mm-hmm. undisciplined. And the parents are sitting there, you know, bargaining with them in a public space like that. Clearly, there's no discipline going on at home. And that's the last thing you want yeah if you're raising a kid i i'm mortified of being out in public and and a child having my child having a meltdown i mean that is like top five anxiety and i have anxiety about a lot of things i think <laughs> that is definitely one of the things and you know and coming into knowing i was going to be on the radio tonight you know, i mentioned this topic to you mm-hmm. and i knew you know it's like parenting tips but like you know our audience is probably not uh current parents at this time and right. they're, they're probably more your age and so i just like you know i have you know, actually, I, they're older. Than I, you, right? Yeah, so I I have great in laws uh, that help out a lot. I have, my parents help out a lot, and one of the things that like you know I I see of your generation mm-hmm. uh, that is doing you know our you know a lot of times the, your generation the dad was working and the mom stayed home or you kind of had that type of style. Now you have a lot more like me and my generation hands on dads. You know where you know which you never said you guys were absent, but. I, I work two days a week from home and I have the baby with me and I'm chasing around doing Zoom calls, yeah. you know, trying to send emails and I'm, you know, there because it's just it's just a different culture. But one thing I appreciate about your generation is how uh, what I see from my parents, uh, my in-laws and also my friend's parents is that you guys are present. Uh, and it's something like you just mentioned that you watch the you know tool three days a week. That's absolutely amazing. Childcare is is insane expensive. Yeah. So just being able to have that extra money to save it to put towards fun things for the child is is amazing. Like we you know we'll get to go on a vacation with her. We just got Gia her first passport. Oh, uh, wow. We don't know where we're going yet, but we got it for her, just in case we want to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know just being able to have you know, the grandparents like you guys that are present and they listen and yeah, you, you spoil a little bit, but I, I've, I've been experiencing my, my mother-in-law watches, watches Gia once a week is that she asks questions. You kind of mentioned how you discipline, you know, what time do we do this? You know, try to limit the screen time and the television. And it's so, and I see that in like my father-in-law too. And he, he always says, I'm, I'm so jealous of you. And I go, well, why, Bill? You're a great dad. Well, I was never home. He was working two jobs yeah. to support three kids under the age of Two at one point. I mean, they were, they were two and a half. I mean, they were they were all under the age of three. I mean, it was just insane. Um, they had him back to back to back, and he was working two jobs. He was making uh, phone calls for Sears at night <laughs> to do debt collection. Yeah. I mean, like just working, you know. And he was he's like, I just wish I could have been there for those times. So I really cherish those times. But I appreciate the grandparents like you that are present and are and it also it's nice because it's nice to get a break from our kids it's nice to go to dinner it's nice to go to a soccer game it's nice to go to a hockey game and just get a break sure and i don't feel like your generation really had that with you i mean you might have so you know there's always cases but like well in the the other thing that's changed here in st louis is you know when i was coming up you know my parents lived here georgian's parents lived here right and um, and I think that experience was probably shared by many, if not most, people. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, our kids are, you know, Johnny's in Chicago and, and the kids are moving and, and it's it's less common 
to have two sets of grandparents in town when you, when you have a young one. Very much so. And it, well, so that's a that's a change. My mom lives in Wentzville, which I feel like is a different state. Well, it is. So, I yeah. mean, sometimes, I mean, it takes her 45, 50 minutes to get right. to my house. So it's special when she does come. I mean, you know, we're, we're now we're planning. She texted me the other day. Can we plan at least twice a week FaceTimes with Gia? Because Gia's now getting to realize who people are and right. getting that stranger danger. And it's it's really nice. And and. They're like, we're doing a family vacation with my in-laws and we're all going somewhere and we're going to hang out for a week. But it's nice. She's like, well, you know, one night, you know, you and Megan and, and my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, you guys can go out for a night. I'm like, oh, that'll be so nice because, you know, you don't get to when we go on vacation with just us three. It's like you got to be in the hotel room by oh, 730 yeah. and yeah. you're watching, you know, Lawn and Rest oh, for it, you while she sleeps on your iPad. I yeah, mean, that's it's a lot. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot. And, you know, I get a, I get the big kick out of watching my daughter uh, telling my wife how to how to parent uh, you know which is, that's something i try it, my 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 wife does that too yeah. <laughs> and i'm just like just let her do it yeah. you, know, you know what she's fine like if she yeah. if she's watching trolls on her on her phone with her on netflix it's fine just let her go <laughs> she's happy well that's braxton Payne. i'm john hancock we've got one more segment to you you mentioned going to the aquarium with oh, the yeah. with your young daughter uh, there's a lot to do here in St. Louis, and we're going to share some of that with each of you after this on KMOX. Working on a night now, back to Late Night with Hancock and Kelly. I love it at night. On KMOX. Ah, yes. Welcome back to KMOX. John Hancock, Michael Kelly's in Florida. Imagine that. But Braxton Payne is alongside, and I thank you, Braxton, for coming in. I don't know how I would... Fill this two hours without you, my friend. Well, it's been uh, nice being here. We got a little bit of time left, though. We do have a little bit of time left, and uh, you know we've got the Super Bowl, but that's not for a couple of weeks now, or a week and a half, I guess it yeah. is. Uh, and the weather tomorrow is going to be sixty-five degrees out there on February. And of course, the 1st. I go out of town tomorrow. Oh, you, where are you there, going? I'm going to Milwaukee tomorrow. Oh, that's it's, right with the volleyball. Yeah, it's supposed to be forty degrees there, so that's not too bad for Milwaukee in uh, the first of now, February. How big is a volleyball team? So our, our volleyball team is 15, uh, 15 players. Because you've only got six on the court. Six right? on the court, and then you have one. Uh, he's called a libero for for lack of a better term. He can kind of come in and out when he wants. So oh. kind of like seven players. Kind of got a little rover going on. Yeah. There. Huh. Yeah. So we go to Milwaukee tomorrow. I'm excited. It's uh it's a great road trip. I, when I played, Milwaukee was always my favorite city to visit. So the 15th player on a volleyball team, how much uh, actual court time will they see during a game? So what we like to do is we like to sub a lot. So during the course of a match, usually about uh, anywhere from 9 to 11 players get in uh, for that for that set. Uh, mm-hmm. There's three, three you know, best out of three, so or best out of five, excuse me. Uh, so sometimes, you know, all 15 will see the court. We had that last weekend. We were up in Chicago, and uh, all 15 players saw the court within that uh, within those two games we played on a Saturday. So I'm in a group with a, a group of guys that gets together every week, and one of them uh, was a professional volleyball player in Germany. Wow. Yes. Uh, went to high school here, graduated mm-hmm. from Westminster. And then I guess signed a contract. I yeah. guess volleyball's a thing, right? It's huge. It's huge in Europe. So if you want to play professionally, that's where you go, or you go to Asia. Uh, it's it's very big in the Eastern, you know, uh, European countries like Serbia, Bosnia, 
uh, Hungary. You talk about Poland. It's massive in Poland, Germany. Uh, but it's also big in Asia and China and Singapore. And well, I guess if like you're that. six foot five or six uh, and you go to Asia to play, you're going to be like the king of the mountain. I mean, the, they sell out arenas. I mean, you're talking anywhere between 15 and 35,000 fans right? for a professional men's or women's uh, volleyball. We just actually in the United States, we just started a professional women's league. Our first the first game was. Uh, last week in Omaha is one of the teams, uh, which is a hotbed for women's uh, volleyball. Omaha is a huge sports city. Oh, it's 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 so I, it's no joke. They sold out the entire arena, eleven thousand people yeah. for the first inaugural game. There's a team in Atlanta. Uh, we'll see how that goes. They've tried it before, but women's sports. Uh, women's volleyball in particular is massive. I don't know if you saw the first game of the year of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. I uh, missed they, it. They played yeah. in their football stadium, John. Well, they did. They played in their football stadium. 92,000 well, plus. I mean, they're in Lincoln, there. Nebraska. What, yeah. what the heck so else are They you had 92,000 plus uh, is, <laughs> went to their uh, their first game. Well, and the football team stinks now. So, oh, wow. uh, well, well they, they just got a new quarterback. He's a five-star recruit from uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, so yeah, the volleyball's big and, um, Omaha, you know, interesting, interesting city there. You yeah. know, you know, who's from Omaha is Bob Gibson. Oh, he was, uh, born and raised in Omaha, Nebraska. I went to Creighton, uh, university there and they're, they're the host of the uh, college baseball world series every year at, at Creighton university. Have you ever got a chance to go up to the college baseball world series? Never have. So it's, I've been to Omaha. So I've been once, and uh, I went when I was in, actually in college, and it was one of the best experiences we had. A, Is that right? Well, we, well at the time, ex girlfriend that went to Creighton, so obviously Omaha was an easy spot and a free place to stay. But she had friends, and we got to go to the hot tubs uh, that overlook the outfields there, and we just sat in the hot tubs. You're sitting in the hot tubs in the outfield. I mean, it's just a uh, it's just a weekend long or a week long, or I, I was just there for a weekend. Right. Maybe uh, it's a just nice long party. maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. But hot tubs are kind of gross. Oh, I, oh no, 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 no. Uh, I, if, if you keep care of them, they're fine. I, I love, I mean, you I love people, hot tubs. You got people. I, I, you know, I need, I need their... you to block this and make sure my wife never hears this because I've been trying to convince her to get a hot tub. Oh. And if she hears this, I will never get one. She's like, oh, we don't we don't have the money for it. We don't need it. The bacteria. Dirty, you have the I, I want a hot tub the so bacteria. bad. Bacteria. That I is mean, what I need in my life. Paige, are you with me on this with the bacteria? No, how's it any different than a pool, public pool? Well, you got chlorine in there and stuff. Well, you got chlorine yeah. in a hot tub? Well, yeah, but you got people putting their dirty stuff. Who knows there, what's happening under the water it's surface? It's closer, closer quarters, I think. You don't like it. Yeah. I mean, it's a, you're, in a, you're in a little a little Petri dish of germs. Well, do you have, like, feet fungus or something? Yes, like, people do. Oh, people well, do. Mm-hmm. And, and, they, and they're sticking those things <laughs> in that hot tub. Nails and, yes, yeah. and they've got them. <laughs> and they got, like, ten of them. And they're sticking them in the hot tub. And, you know, yeah, it just, plus my I particularly, like, when I go out of town, I look for Airbnbs that have a nice little, like, you know, hot tub and stuff. Lord only knows who's been in those things. I mean. Do you you sleep in the hotel beds? You sleep in Airbnb beds? You know those people. I mean, they don't change the top duvet cover of hotel Oh, let me tell you, you don't ever use the the blanket there in the hotel. The the, the, the comforter, whatever they put on top of the bed. Unless you're at a nice Marriott, which I tend tend to uh, Yeah, but even there. Even there. Yeah. I mean, you got stuff in things. You're you're telling me you're not staying at the Ritz every time you go? Yeah, no, oh. no. We did stay at the Ritz. Uh, let's see. We for my fiftieth birthday, Georgian took me to Simi Valley. Oh, beautiful! Uh, and well, and the, we stayed at the uh, what's it called, the Laguna Nigal. Oh, uh, there, and uh, and we used all, all of them with the Marriott points, of course. 
merits uh, us. Uh, but it was that was. But that's the only time I've ever stayed at that kind of. That's that's real highfalutin. Yeah, you know? I mean, the uh, if you ever get it, I stayed at the Ritz once. It was in Denver. It was fine. It was good. It was you know, but I, it was free. So I mean. Can't really argue with a nice free hotel. So we had. I to, love a good hotel bar, though. Oh, uh, like I, any hotel that has a nice little hotel bar. I like to go to the ones here in town. You know, sometimes we'll just you go for happy hour. You sit at the bar. You get to meet people that are traveling. It, you kind of feel like yeah, I love to also have a couple cocktails in the airport. There's nothing better than going to the airport a little early, having a couple cocktails, meeting people, or you can just sit there with your headphones in and listen to everyone else's conversation. I always turn off my headphones. If you ever see me at the airport, I have nothing let going me, on. Let me ask this, is, this is a little personal question. Go for it. <clears throat> so you're sitting at the airport bar. Uh-huh. Somebody that you're talking to there. You're never going to see this person again. Yeah. Have you ever lied oh. uh, to somebody in an airport Johnny, bar? Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. Oh, yes. I have a whole backstory. Uh, you, I'll go with my best friend, Tom. He works with me as well. But uh-huh. we'll, we'll make up before we get there. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. what's our backstory? Yeah, 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 and so yeah, we'll yeah. make up a whole backstory of who we are, yeah. what, our, what our names are, where we're from, right. where we're going. Yeah. Oh, we have a whole story yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you have to. And that's the best part about the airport is you'll just watch people go through. And that's what we'll do with my friend. Is we'll just say, okay, that person, what do you think? where do you think they're going? What's their life story? Yeah, and we make right. up stories about everyone else. The airport's the best. I love the airport. You know, you, you just struck a chord because I used to fly back and forth to uh, Columbus, Columbus, Ohio yeah. every week. So I'm sitting there uh, getting ready for my flight, you know, back and talking to somebody. And the guy is plastered, you know. <laughs> and I thought, I'm going to have some fun here. And so he says, what do you do? I said, I write jingles. He said, really? <laughs> I said, yeah. Not that you, far-fetched. You know that, you, you know that uh, carpet? 1-800-2800-Empire. You know that? <laughs> I wrote that. He said, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> and so we had a whole talk about writing jingles there at the uh, bar in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, I just wish they'd bring chilies back to the Southwest Terminal here. That's the only thing I love. I wish I would have written this. This is This is Heart of the Sunrise. You wouldn't be here if you wrote this. Well, that's an excellent point. He's Braxton Payne. I'm John Hancock. It's the best of the DGS. Thank you. Thanks to Matt Pajeski. Thanks to Maria Kina. And John Hancock, our NFL insider, and Michael Kelly, who's, I'm sure, sound asleep by now. The best of the DGS is next right here on KMOX.